join me in a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, we thank you for the sacrament of baptism. Lord, we thank you for the grace that is a reminder of, Lord, the grace that is present in meeting us. Lord, we pray for the Haynes and all of us as we support this child, teaching him to grow in ways that are life-giving and are yours. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think a way that we can think about our passages this morning, uh, there's a thread I've, I've noticed in studying, a thread of choice, right? This kind of choose, right? Isn't that how De- the Deuteronomy passage starts? Moses is really clear, right? He says, choose life or choose death. That's the choice that we have before us. Um, so I was thinking about that. I was reflecting on some of my experiences in our household. Uh, we have a daughter who is growing. She's kind of she just turned four, and so there's, we're trying to give her some, some choices. Um, we had a milestone this weekend for our daughter. She got a big girl bed, and so part of that process for her was we went to the store, and we let her choose her sheets. That felt like a very appropriate way of giving her a little ownership in, in the decision. And so she, you know, didn't pick the sheets that we probably would have picked for her. They're purple and pink unicorns, which is fine. That's her choice. And um, last, last night as we were putting her to bed and saying, you know, this is your big girl bed. Here you go. We, one of the things that we do um, when we remember is we ask her what was your favorite part of the day and what was something that was maybe something you, that was a hard or a challenge. And so we asked her what her favorite part of the day, and it was clearly getting to pick the unicorn sheets. And we asked her, well, what was your least far, favorite part of yesterday? And she said, going to the store to pick the sheets. She didn't like that part. She liked the picking of the sheets themselves, but the process of the shopping and all that wasn't, wasn't her favorite. Um, and I say that because um, I think, right, part of what I want to do as a parent is I want to raise my child in such a way that they're choosing God's way, right? They're choosing life. I have a Christian psychologist friend who I think really has a helpful way of thinking about this process. He talks about parenting, and the phrase he uses, I think it's, it's gold. It's really helped me to think about what's happening in this parenting process. He talks about raising children, parenting as planned emancipation. And the idea being that, right, is the child grows, you give them more and more opportunities to begin to choose. Obviously, with age-appropriate restrictions, right? I'm not sending our daughter into Publix with a $100 bill and asking her to do our grocery shopping for us, right? But that, that process of choosing is important. That's an important process for us all as we grow before the Lord, right? And so, thinking about that and then thinking about the context of our sermon in particular in a baptism, I thought about how does that all play out, right? Haynes is, I think you are helping to choose for your child in such a way that they are raised where they will choose life when they are then able to choose life for themselves. But clearly, right, cannot choose all the things about God's life for himself in the moment. But part of what's happening in baptism, right, is this commitment that we are going to be a family that chooses life. And choosing life isn't just what's happening in this moment of baptism, right? It does include that. But what I was reflecting upon is how this choosing of life, it's a day-in and day-out process. Um, Oftentimes, I refer to this, the Deuteronomy passage, but in a different context. 
I use that Deuteronomy 30 passage a lot when I'm speaking to graduating seniors from high school as a way of marking, hey, you're getting into this place where you have a lot of freedom. You're in a space of a lot of choice. You have a choice before you, right, to choose God's way or to choose the world's way. And there are consequences, good and bad, for those actions. And I think it's really interesting, right, this idea of this choice. It actually seems like a pretty simple choice, doesn't it? Choose life or choose death. Well, what are we going to choose? Well, obviously life. But there also is a warning from Moses, right, that though our choices have an impact. And that's why I don't think it's this singular choice, but it's this regular choice of faithfulness to God. Jesus puts that choice before us as well, does he not, in the gospel passage, right? Choose to follow me. Count the cost, right, is another way of thinking about it, right? Take up your cross and when we follow him. It's often been said that baptism is our initiation into the kingdom of God, where we join a family of believers who are continually choosing to follow the true king. Again, right, and I want to help us think about this. This choosing of life, it's not a one-time thing, but you actually see this in the passage, that it's a, a daily choice that we have to make. And there are, I think, three ways that Moses lines out, actually in slightly different forms, but in verse 16 and verse 20 in the Deuteronomy passage, he says, firstly, we choose life by loving God. Secondly, we choose life by hearing his voice and walking in his ways. And thirdly, by keeping his commandments and clinging to God. So I want to meditate on that for a brief second this morning and think about what we are all, how we are all choosing life together in supporting the hands and the baptism of right. So firstly, right, loving God. Loving God is a whole person thing. It's not just an immediate emotional response. There might be some of that involved, nor is it simply an intellectual endeavor where we choose to love God because that's what makes sense, right? What does Jesus say? Even the demons know who Jesus is, but the demons have not chosen to follow God, right? To, to choose to love God, right? The summary of the law, the great commandment that we open every service with when we gather for worship. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, and soul, and mind, and strength, right? It's this holistic process that does include our emotions and our intellect, but also, right, our will, this desire to follow God, to love Him, to walk in ways that are appropriate for God. I think this loving of God, and I think, right, it's really interesting how Moses speaks about this. He's speaking to the Israelites. He's speaking to the whole community of the people of God, but it's immediately personal. And here's what I mean by that, right? Nobody can love God for you except you, right? That's a personal choice that we have to make. We can pray that someone might love the Lord. We can do everything we can to encourage that process. But ultimately, it's fundamentally like an individual personal decision that we make. And again, right, love is a choice that we make, and it's a choice that we make daily. Haynes, I think this is exactly what you are committing to do by loving your children. You're loving them by loving God, 
and choosing daily to follow his ways, to walk in his ways. That's how your, your love and your love of the Lord is going to be translated to your children, even when it looks like it's not quite happening, right? But it's that continual process of faithfulness to the Lord that we see. So, right, that's number one, love God. Number two, walk in God's ways and listen to his voice, right? This is the language that Psalm 1 uses of how we follow the Lord, walking in his ways. And I think it's interesting to note that walking is an active verb, right? There's no such thing as theoretical walking. At some point, right, if you're really going to walk in the Lord's ways, you got to get up out of your seat and you got to put one foot in front of the other, right? Even if you don't have the whole picture, in faith, that this is the way of life. Listening. Now, listening. I think listening we can think of as sometimes passive in nature. But I want to encourage us to think about listening as also an active thing. Hearing, perhaps, is passive, right? We've all had experiences, we're probably even guilty of it of ourselves, right? Where we hear what someone has to say, but we haven't truly listened, we haven't had a, I see some, some families shooting some, some side glances at one another, right? And I think that, right, that's a reminder that listening is an active process. Listening, we have to choose to listen, right? We have to choose to engage. engage. We have to move towards a point of connection and response, because ultimately, isn't that what listening is? It's connection with someone else and it's response. And I think that's why this idea of listening and walking in God's ways is held up as a way to choose life on a daily basis. It's one thing to know or to hear the Word of God, but it's something different altogether to listen and obey and respond. Um, something that's always important to make a connection with. And right here, we've got a historical example Let's think about the nation of Israel. God didn't ask them to listen first, and then he would save them, right? What does he do? He frees them from slavery, from bondage in Egypt, right? They go through the Red Sea. They are delivered. And after that deliverance, after that salvation, right, is this commitment to listen, right? It's a reminder that that's how God's grace works. He doesn't demand perfection in obedience. It's a response to the grace that God has already put before us, right? Third thing, lastly, keeping God's commands and clinging to them. Part of choosing life is acting in life-giving ways towards God and towards one another. Again, right, this choosing of life, it's, it's not something that's theoretical. And right, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the hard stuff of life, right? We can choose life in theory, but when it impacts our day-to-day lived experiences, that's a different story, right? We can choose life in difficult circumstances by forgiving people who have wronged us. That's a harder thing to do, but we do it in the faith that God says that forgiveness is a way to life not bitterness and anger and resent, which is so much easier for us to do. So I'm going to say something that may sound like somewhat of a tangent, but there's a tie-in 
And this is something I've learned. Some of you may know that part of my role here at the church is I'm in charge of our student ministry, our ministry to teenagers. Um, and what's really interesting is if you look at the, all the studies that are out there about lifelong faith in teenagers, a lot of us would assume that the number one determining factor in whether or not a teen has lifelong faith is what? Something I run every Wednesday night, their attendance at youth group. But what's interesting is that's not what the studies show. That stuff is important. Their involvement is important. But the number one determining factor in the lifelong faith of a teenager is the faith of their parents. And I think that's something we can forget, right? And how that faith is modeled in church community and at home, right? Again, this process of a daily, day-in and day-out commitment to choosing life. This is part of the reason, right, that we welcome children into our worship services. They want, we want to see our children in worship, seeing what it looks like. What does it look like to be a part of a community that is choosing life, that's choosing God's ways, that's singing his praises, that's gathering together at the table to receive the meal that he's given us? And I think what's also important to know, right, is that what upholds this choice is these small ways that we can choose to follow is the nearness of God, right? That's undergirding everything that Moses says, that we don't have to go out and find God somewhere and pretend to, to guess what are his ways like, but he's given us his ways. He's shown them to us. He's drawn near and said, this is what it looks like to live, right? If you embrace my way of life in a day in and day out basis, because what's the temptation? The temptation is to drift from God's ways that lead ultimately to destruction. I think it's really interesting that Moses has given them speech after speech after speech in the book of Deuteronomy about how to live in God's ways, right? That's what the law and all those things are all about. Why does Moses do this? Because they've been promised land from God, right? They're about to enter the promised land. And who is the promised land full of? The promised land is full of folks who aren't following God. And so they may not start out immediately, right, by worshiping idols, but by stopping to listen to the voice of God, being distracted by the other ways of the world that are not committed to the way of life, that's the temptation that's before them. And that's the reason, right, we as a community have bonded together to say we are going to choose the way of life because ultimately as we individually choose the way of life, it has an impact on our broader community, bigger than any one of us could have at once. So in closing, another thing that happens, foreshadowing some of what we'll see in the book of Joshua later on when they do enter the promised land, is after the nation of Israel has entered the promised land, they actually hold in two different parts, it's recorded in Joshua, that they hold these covenant renewal ceremonies. Why do they do this? They do this because they need to remember who God has called them to be and how they need to choose life. And so this is my encouragement to all of us who are gathered here today. Anytime we have a baptism in our church community, this isn't just a commitment that the parents and the godparents are making. This is a reminder to each and every one of us to choose God's way 
right? We're actually going to have an opportunity to say that to the Hanes that, hey, it's not just you. You're not just in this by yourselves, but we as a community commit to God's way of life and doing everything we can to support and uphold them as they try to choose that for their family. We get to model what we want to see, right? In right, and for so many of our other youngest disciples, right? A way of choosing life daily, of turning from idols. And when we do, right, turn to those idols of ultimately turning back to God. Lastly, in closing, I want us to remember that, right? Baptism reveals our death to sin and our rising to new life again in Jesus Christ. That's what it shows us, right? This new life, this grace that we are given. And how does that work? Well, it works because it's Christ who ultimately chose life, right? Christ's choice of life for us is what enables us who are following him to then choose life in big and small small ways, right? We're marked with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to live into this life of continually choosing life. And so my exhortation to us as a community, to the Hanes, to the godparents, to the family around us, is may we daily choose life in Jesus Christ together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.